The governor again said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all said, Let him be crucified. And he said, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Let him be crucified. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Our Lord's ride into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday is often referred to as his triumphal entry. It's this regal ride into the holy city where the king has come. And they give him the royal treatment with palm branches strewn at his feet and shouts of Hosanna, which means save us now and blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And of course, Jesus is a king like no other. His kingdom is not of this world. In fact, he's not going to don a golden crown of jewels, but a crown of thorns. He's not going to hold an iron scepter, but a reed. He won't be decked in royal robes, but he will be stripped naked. He won't be fawned over and adored, but spit upon, mocked, and derided. He will not sit on a cushy golden throne, but will be nailed to a rugged wooden cross where he will hang naked and humiliated. So on Sunday, the crowds treat Jesus like a king, but on Friday, he's treated like a criminal. His triumphal entry ends in what looks nothing like triumph, but total defeat. Jesus' triumph turns into a joke, a cruel mockery. The soldiers ridicule him, spit on him, and say, Hail, King of the Jews. When he's crucified over his head, they put a sign that reads, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. The chief priests, the scribes, and elders taunt him as he hangs on the cross. He's the King of Israel. Let him come down from the cross. Oh, what a different kind of king Jesus is. When Pilate asked him if he was king of the Jews, Jesus simply said, You have said so. Our Lord does not exert his authority. He does not act as king through dominance and force, but through weakness and humility. Contrast that with the way kings and governors and leaders act in the world. There's hardly any accountability, it seems. Rarely do we ever hear a leader admit when they're wrong. And when they're confronted on it, there's usually some sort of deflection or self-justification that occurs. Of course, it's not just leaders. We're the same way. We love to self-justify. If we hurt someone or do something wrong, we've always got a good reason for it. He or she had it coming, we think. And if we don't self-justify, then we claim innocence. We pretend like, ah, it never happened. Because we're so unblemished and perfect. Just think about the last argument or disagreement you you had with your spouse or your friend. While it was going on, and maybe even still now, you feel like everything is their fault. Because after all, I'm the innocent one. They're the one that is to blame. And so if we're not self-justifying ourselves, then we're either deflecting blame or we're claiming some sort of sham innocence. The only truly innocent one is Jesus. He is the sinless, perfect one, without spot or wrinkle or blemish, and when he's given a chance to defend himself or to justify himself, he doesn't do it. 
when he's before the governor, when he's given the opportunity by Pilate to plead his case, like a lamb before its shearer, Jesus is silent. He lets himself be accountable for something he never did. What a contrast we hear of today with Jesus standing before Pilate, innocent, next to the guilty as sin, Barabbas, the righteous and the unrighteous. Now we, of course, are Barabbas. We're far from innocent, guilty as charged. And yet as unfair as this scene is before Pilate's judgment, this is something quite remarkable. Barabbas The guilty one is pardoned and released, and Jesus, the innocent one, is condemned for sins he did not commit. But this is the purpose for which Jesus was sent. This is what we call the great exchange, the sweet swap. Jesus, the innocent one, trades places with guilty sinners. The great exchange is that the sin of the whole world is charged to Jesus in order that his innocence might be counted to the whole world, which includes you. It's quite a thing for Barabbas to stand before Pilate that day, treated as an innocent one. But it will be an even greater scene on the last day, Judgment Day, when you stand before the judgment seat of God and are declared totally innocent because of Jesus' shed blood. That's why our Lord's triumphal entry into Jerusalem on that great Palm Sunday procession, as we call it. Jesus does this in order to die. He goes unto a greater procession, an even more kingly procession, and that is the one up Golgotha's hill to the cross with the help of Simon of Cyrene. Because there Jesus went to be judged for all your sins, that you might be declared innocent. And that's where all of our self-justification and blame-placing, it's all crucified with Jesus. All of our hurtful words and actions are put to death with the Son of God. Jesus is held accountable for your sin and mine. He's cursed and condemned as a guilty sinner. He who knew no sin, Paul says, became sin so that you might become the righteousness of God. In exchange for your guilt and sin, Jesus gives you his own innocence and righteousness. In exchange for your hurtful words and actions, Jesus now speaks loving words of absolution into your ears. I forgive you all your sins. Your sins were the cause of the death of an innocent king, and yet that was the only way that our sins could be dealt with and destroyed, so that you could come to the judgment seat of God on the last day and be declared innocent. Our Lord has acquired for you and applied to you what you needed the most, righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. And so now because of King Jesus on a cross, you are innocent. You are also exalted with your great king, whose greatness is found in having mercy on those who don't deserve it. You have a magnificent, crucified, and risen king who has baptized you into the innocence in which you now stand and which unites you to him forever. You are innocent 
because your king has by his suffering, death, and resurrection overcome all of your Barabbas-like sin and guilt. You are truly innocent, for you have been freely forgiven of the or freely given the gift of faith that enables you now to stand pure and undefiled before the Lord now and on judgment day. It's Holy Week now. We give thanks to God this week for the passion and suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ. Indeed, it's through the weakness, suffering, and humility of Christ that he is exalted, that he is king of kings, a king like no other, because he has suffered, bled, died, and rose for a world of sinners. And so, dear Christian, let these words of St. Paul from Philippians 2, let them be your theme this Holy Week as we fix our eyes on Jesus. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In the name of Jesus, amen.